to you. Um, if you haven't already done so, could you open up your Bibles to Colossians uh, chapter 2. Colossians uh, chapter 2. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 13 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. This is probably for me, it may not feel like it for you, but probably um, one of the most significant uh, sermons uh, that I have preached. It may not feel like that, I know, uh, for some of you, but for me it certainly is, because we have been praying um, that something like this would happen in this town for many, many years. And so for a significant sermon, you want a significant passage, don't you? And the passage this morning is just the next passage in Colossians. And I would like you to get used to that. It is always going to be the next passage. The next passage will always be the most significant one. Because that is the one that the Lord has for us. And in the Lord's beautiful and glorious timing, do you know what he has done? Because once a month, what we have done once a month over the last year is we've had a service here and we've been walking through Colossians. And do you know what the Lord has done in His goodness and kindness? Over the years we've been going through passages and passages and He has landed us here. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. And I thank Him that He's landed us in this place. Because as you look at these verses, there is one word that I want you to keep in mind. There is one word that I want to resound in your head, and it is this word. The word, alive. Chapter 2, verse 13 says this. And you, who were dead in your trespasses, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. If there is one word I want you to keep in your head this morning, it is that word, alive. And all of us, I don't care who you are, all of us here this morning want to feel alive. Every single one of you love that feeling of feeling alive. For me, it was when I was in Austria I had the privilege of, of going onto a mountain, you know, we did the whole cable car thing. We got onto the top of the mountain and we went parasailing. And so you, you might know what parasailing is. It's basically you have a sail over you, it's kind of a U-shaped sail over your head. And if it's your first time, you have this weird Austrian man kind of strapped onto you on your back, kind of too close for comfort. And basically the goal is you stand on the top of the mountain and you run down and then you jump with this stranger and a sail hanging you above the air. And as I was running down with this fellow, that moment when we kind of jumped off the mountain was the moment I felt alive. Now, if you've ever done it before, it's actually, you know, quite a bit anticlimactic because you, you kind of jump off and everything is just so peaceful. But you have those moments in life and we have those moments in life where we just feel alive and we love it. 
Maybe you've had those moments where you've done something extreme, either hand gliding or skydiving, and you feel alive at those moments. Or maybe just those little moments of feeling alive when you have the cup of coffee in the morning. Or you finish in the gym, and you feel alive, ready to take on the day. Do you know what God wants for you this morning? Each and every single one of you, do you know what God wants for you this morning? He wants, when you leave this room, He wants each and every single one of you, whether young or old, whether 8 or 80, He wants every single one of you to walk out of this room feeling alive. But not just feeling alive, He wants more for you. He wants you to leave this room this morning knowing that you are alive in Him. He wants you to walk out of here this morning knowing I am alive because God has made me alive in Christ Jesus. But here is the thing. Before you know that you are alive, you need to first know that you were dead. In verse 13 it says that, doesn't it? And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him. You see, Paul is talking very directly to those at Colossae. And he is saying to them, and you. You see, there is no escape for them. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. You see, there's two spiritual realities for all of us in this room. Either we are spiritually alive or you are spiritually dead. Either you are spiritually alive in Him or you are spiritually dead. Now there is no question this morning, I think, that most of us are physically alive. Maybe not awake, but we're alive. But some of us sitting here, we don't know the reality of our spiritual state. But maybe we're not alive in Him. Maybe we are spiritually dead. And this is what Paul is saying to them. And you. You are dead in in two ways, he says to them, those at Colossae. They were Gentile Christians. Which basically means that they weren't um, Jewish Christians. All those who were non-Jews were essentially Gentiles. And it says of them that they were dead in the trespasses. In their trespasses, which essentially means their failures. Their failures to keep God's law. They failed to keep His law. Not His written law, but the law that the Lord God had written on their hearts. They were dead in their failures and trespasses before God. Spiritually. They were also dead, it says, in the uncircumcision of their flesh. Not only in their trespasses, but in the uncircumcision of their flesh. You see, God's people, the Jews, they were circumcised. Back in Genesis 17, it tells us they were to be circumcised as a mark that they were part of God's covenant people. And so Gentiles were not circumcised. And so these Gentiles, he says to them, listen, you are dead in your trespasses and you are also dead in the uncircumcision of your flesh. This is who you were. This was 
your state. All of you were dead. And do you know what that means for all of us this morning? Is that we were a lot like them. We are a lot like them. All of us this morning either were or are dead in our trespasses and sins. And how do I know that? I know that. Because back in Genesis 3, Adam failed to obey God. He took from the fruit that he was not meant to take from. And when he took from that fruit, the moment that he took from that fruit, sin and death entered into the human race. The moment that he took from that fruit, not only did physical death enter into this world, but spiritual death entered into this world. And all of us inherited the sin of Adam. It was all transferred to us. Now in the news lately, there's been this name, this title that has been given to certain individuals. And that title that we've heard given to certain individuals today is the title of Super Spreader. I don't know if you've heard that yet. Super Spreader. Basically, on Sky News, it was reported that there is this guy called Steve Walsh. He was a super spreader. He went to a work conference in Singapore, the hotbed of the coronavirus. And in Singapore, he got the coronavirus. He flew then from Singapore to France and stayed in a chalet on holidays with his family. And then he flew from France to England. And it was there in England that he was diagnosed with the coronavirus. On his travels, he spread that virus to 11 other people. That is the super spreader. They are those who get the coronavirus or get viruses and spread them to more people than most. That is who Adam was. He was essentially the world's super spreader. Yes, he committed sin, but he spread his sin out to all of humanity. Here's what Romans says. Therefore, listen carefully. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. So death spread to all men. Because all have sinned. From Adam's first sin, death and sin spread to all of us. And we know that death and sin has spread to all of us. Because all of us in this room, every single one of us, has sinned. See, all of us are so worried about this virus. And in many ways, this coronavirus. And in many ways, we probably should be. You know, I don't want to play it down. But we are very worried. That's why we're shaking hands like this. That's why we're waving from afar. That's why we're worried as to whether we should come in here or not. We're all worried about that physically. But there is a much more dangerous virus. And it is that of sin. 
There is much more dangerous effect that you have right now. And that is your sin. And the consequences are much more serious. And that consequence is the consequence of death. If you have inherited sin from Adam, you also have a more legitimate and really serious consequence. That could be eternal death. But there is great hope in these verses. Because death need not be your final destiny. Do you know why? Because the Bible gives us a cure. God has given us Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, He makes you alive. When you were once dead, God, in His grace and mercy, has made you alive. Look at the end of verse 13. God made alive together with Him. God has made us alive. And therefore, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have repented of your sin, if you believe and trust in Him and have truly repented of your sin, what that means for you this morning is that you too are alive in Him. And I know sometimes, I know because I am a Christian and I am a Christian who sins, and I know sometimes that you do not feel alive in Him. In fact, you feel dead. And the reason you feel dead is because your sin keeps nagging at you every single day. And it feels like spiritually that you are dead. And what God wants to remind you this morning, if you had trusted and believed in Him, what God wants to remind you this morning is that you are not dead anymore. No, you are alive in Him. And how do I know that you are alive in Him? Listen to what it says. Verse 13. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. You are alive in Him because He has forgiven us all our trespasses. Now there is a little word in that verse that I love. And it is the word all. He did not forgive some of my trespasses. He did not just forgive the small trespasses. No, the scripture says He has forgiven us all of our trespasses. That is, all of your failures to obey His law. God has forgiven you of them all. Not just some of them. But all of them. And this word forgiveness here, it is quite a unique word in these verses. Because forgiveness is translated in different ways in the scripture. But this particular word, forgiveness, it talks about his gracious pardon of our sin. Meaning this, we deserved punishment for our sin, but he graciously forgave us. I wonder if you have ever in life, maybe you've experienced this. Have you ever had anybody shove something back in your face? What I mean by that is this. Have you ever had anybody shove your sin and your failures back in your face? Maybe you've gone to someone and you've realized, listen, I have failed. 
I have sinned against God, I have done wrong. And you go to that person and you ask that person specifically, listen, I am, I am sorry for what I have done. Will you forgive me? And that person might say, well, look, it's fine, don't worry, you're forgiven, it's fine, whatever. And then it's only a few weeks later when they say, remember when you did that to me? You always do that to me because you did it before to me. And then a few more weeks later, they bring it back up again because you do a similar thing again. And they say, remember when you did that to me? And you see, what has happened there is you have not been forgiven at all. And you feel in bondage to the wrong that you've done. This particularly happens in families and marriage. We shove it back in each other's face. And we think that is the norm with forgiveness. We think, I walk up to someone and I say to them, listen, I, I'm sorry. And we think, okay, they'll, they'll forgive us. But, but we expect them to bring it up again. We just expect that to be the norm in forgiveness. But with God, with God... His forgiveness is totally different to ours. Do you know why? Because when you are forgiven by God, it is finished. It is over. It is done. It is complete. When God forgives you, He never brings your sin back up again. When God forgives you, He never shoves your sin back in your face. When God forgives you, He chooses to remember your sin against you no more. God cannot forget your sin, but He chooses not to remember it against you anymore. When you are forgiven by God, you are forgiven completely. That is how I know you are alive in Him. Because you are forgiven of all your trespasses. But I also know you are alive in Him. Not only because you have been forgiven all your trespasses. But because all your debt has been cancelled. Look again at verse 13. God made alive together with Him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By cancelling the record of death that stood against us. With its legal demands. So how did God make us alive in him? God made us alive in him. By forgiving us of all our trespasses. And God made us alive in him. By cancelling all of our debt. And what it means by that in terms of our debt is this. All of us owe God our obedience. Every single one of us owes God our obedience. We owe him the obedience to the law that he's written in our hearts. In other words, we know the difference between right or wrong. We know what it is to obey him or disobey him. And when we look at our lives, what do you realize about yourself? Have you obeyed him mostly in your life or have you disobeyed him mostly in your life? And if you review your sins, you will realize that you are in great debt. In fact, there is a record of your debt. And what it talks about in this verse is kind of this idea of a legal written record of all your debt against God. Now that is a sobering thing to realize that all my debt against God has been written down and recorded. 
And we know this concept of recording today. We have this concept because we record all the time. We don't necessarily record by writing things down anymore. But what we do is we we take out our phone and we record things, don't we? To remember things. And we've all seen those videos, haven't we? Those, Those viral videos where someone is doing something stupid or caught doing something they wish they had never done and millions of people can see it. And what is our hope and our prayer? Our hope and our prayer is that, oh Lord, may that not be me one day. Where everybody can see the stupid thing that I've done. Can you imagine if everything, every stupid little thing you had ever done has been recorded? You don't have to imagine it. Because it absolutely was recorded. And is recorded. By God. God never forgets anything you've ever done against Him. Every single word you've ever said, it is recorded. Every single word you have said in private, it is recorded. Every single word that you held back and didn't say, it is still recorded. Every single thought you have ever thought in your life, it is recorded. Every single thought that you have forgotten that you have thought, it is and has been recorded. Every single action you have ever done in your life, in public, has been recorded. And every single action you have ever done in your life, in private, it has been recorded. You cannot escape that reality. And the conclusion we come to is this. I am in debt against God. the beauty is, what this verse tells us is, that debt is cancelled. It is cancelled. And when you look at that word cancelled, it actually means quite a lot to us, because it is a word that has been translated in different ways. It means wipe away, eliminate, erase, and destroy. Our sin, our debt of sin against God has been cancelled. It has been wiped away. It has been erased. It has been cleared. It has been destroyed. All of our sin. It has been cancelled. But not only has it been cancelled, not only in this way, kind of wiped away. But what it's saying about it being cancelled is is quite specific in this verse. Because when you think of a written document, you think of of a written document, there are different ways to cancel a written document. Isn't there? There's different ways to cancel a written document. One way you can cancel a written document is you can redact that document. Can't you? Now some of you... We might not know. The only reason I know what redaction is is because of the movies, right? So you see um, the FBI or whatever, they have a classified document. And the document, there's certain lines in it blacked out. So you could think that that if my sin is cancelled, if my debt of sin is cancelled, this is what happened. Maybe it was redacted. Maybe it was just blacked out. But that's not what the verse says. Well, there's another way it could be cancelled. Maybe the record of debt, of your debt, of your sin, was written down in pencil. 
So if it was written down in pencil, do you know how you could cancel that debt? You could just rub it out, couldn't you? You could rub out that sin. And if you just looked at the word cancelled, maybe you might think that is what happened. But that's not what the verse says. It was not redacted, it was not rubbed out. There's another thing you could do with the written document too. You could tear up that written document and throw it away. And that maybe is how our sins are cancelled. And if you were to look back in scripture, you could probably find scriptural evidence that that is how my sin has been cancelled. But that is not what the verse says. Our sin has been cancelled not by being redacted, not by being rubbed out, not by being torn up and thrown away. Our sin, our debt of sin against God was cancelled because it was nailed. Nailed to the cross. Now what that means is something far better than the other three options. What that means is that your list of debt and sin was taken from you fully intact and placed upon him and nailed to the cross. Your sin was not forgotten. Your sin, all of it, was taken and nailed to the cross. And that is what it says. God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Your sin, all of it, not just some of it, not just a small bit of it, all of it, was nailed to the cross. That is how I know that you are alive in Him. Your sin has been forgiven. Your death has been cancelled. It is finished. And Jesus meant it when He said that. All of this happened at the cross. But there is one more thing that happened at the cross. Verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We know we are alive not only because all our sin is forgiven, not only because our debt is cancelled, but because the darkness has been disarmed. The darkness has been destroyed. He has disarmed the rulers and authorities. I call that darkness. Do you know why I call it darkness? Because the rulers and authorities, whenever it talks about that in scripture, means demonic rulers and authorities. Basically the evil forces in this world. The darkness. Now I know if you're visiting this morning, you might have been thinking to yourself, you know, I'll go there, but like, they're going to get weird at some point. And, and this is the point you're probably thinking. I knew it. I knew they'd get weird at some point. And, and this is it. Demonic forces. Darkness. What is he talking about? Because in our reality, all we see is what is physically real right in front of us. We very rarely think of the spiritual things going on. And if you think this is a little bit crazy, just bear with me for a second. Because in this world, I think we do see this kind of darkness. In drug abuse, you know, I, I, 
I have friends struggling with, with drug abuse and, and I love them and, and some of them in this town struggling very, very deeply. And yes, it is their struggle, but when I have heard their stories, I can't help but think that there's some darkness around them. Yes, it was their choices, but yes, there does seem to be something more going on to it. When you hear of the murder in this world and the trafficking going on in this world, yes, it is human beings, but do you ever not think that there's some more, something more to this? That there's some more, something more spiritual going on? That there is a battle beyond the physical that we see. And that battle beyond the physical that we see is the spiritual battle that we see. There's something more going on. And so at the cross, at the cross of Jesus, yes, there was this physical battle where these soldiers were nailing him to the cross. But there was something going on behind the scenes of the cross. And that was God. Versus the rulers and authorities. And guess what? God in Jesus Christ won. You see, because darkness, darkness thought it was winning the day. When Satan entered into Judas and fed him with greed and betrayal. Darkness thought it was winning the day when it got Judas. And darkness thought it was winning the day when all the crowd started shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And darkness thought it was winning the day when the soldiers beat him, flogged him, spit on him, hit him and nailed him to the cross. Darkness thought it was winning the day. And darkness thought it had won the day. Of course... Until the third day. When our Savior came into that locked room with the disciples. And said, peace be with you. And you know what they did? They <coughs> locked that room and they went out and they told everybody they could. And many of them died for that reality. Because our Savior triumphed. Over the evil forces in this world. That is how I know that you are alive. You are alive because all of your sin has been forgiven. You are alive because all of your debt has been cancelled. You are alive, my dear friend, because your Savior, Jesus Christ, is alive. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that we can be alive in you. And Lord, I pray for each one in this room. Lord, that they might leave this room knowing, not just feeling, but knowing that they are alive in you. And I pray if there is anyone here who doubts that they are alive, who believes that they are still dead in their sins, I pray that this morning would be the morning. When they turn to you and ask you to forgive them of their sin, cancel their death, and make them alive in you. I pray all these things in your precious name. Amen.